Um, but so yeah, so for me, it was just understanding like these are the building blocks. Like, what am I actually building with this? It was kind of like I had, I guess, maybe like a set of Legos without instructions on how to put them together, <laughs> just the blocks. Right. And I had to figure out what I wanted to make with that. The champ is here! I want to give a special thank you to those who are already supporting the show with your monthly subscription. Um, if you're not already supporting the show and you'd like to help make this show possible, tap the link in the episode description or visit anchor.fm backslash code podcast to become a monthly supporter. Hello, devs. Welcome back for another episode. 300 Days of Code podcast. Super, super excited that you guys join me back on the continuous journey um, to become one awesome developer. We all know how tough it can be. But to help with that toughness, we have a special guest. Caitlin. Caitlin, how you doing? Good. How are you? I am phenomenal. How's your your morning going so far, Kayla? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just settling in to college. I start later this week, so just making sure I have all my stuff ready before class actually starts. And uh, what what college are you at? I'm at Cornell University. I'm a going to be a junior. Nice. What uh What are you studying at Cornell? Uh. Yeah, I'm studying electrical and computer engineering, um, which isn't exactly computer science, but it's an applied version of it. It's kind of takes the hardware and software elements and they teach you how to program low level as well as like build circuits and everything like that. So you can build a technical product from the hardware to the software level. So, hmm. So what have you have you built anything yet or are you still like going through things or Yeah, no, I've definitely built some stuff. So before college, I uh had more of a software background. I was lucky enough to go to a high school that had CS. Um so I've built stuff from websites to just basic Java programs to web applications. Um but here at college, they've taught us how to or at least last year I started learning how to use Arduinos and other like boards. Um, So I've built this really cool um, product using an Arduino that helps make sure that you don't use your phone for too long. So like if it notices that you're holding the touch sensor for too long, it'll buzz and flash a bunch of lights and kind of make you put your phone down. Mm. Um, And that was something that I built for a hackathon uh, here on campus, which was really cool. Um, and that's something that I hadn't really worked with until I got to college. Hmm. So where, where are you, uh, where are you originally from? Yeah, I'm from New York city. So same state as Cornell, but a lot different, uh, than Ithaca, which is where I spend the majority of my year when I'm at college. And, um, high school and everything out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I've lived in New York city my entire life. Uh, so I'm definitely a city girl. Uh, which is why whenever I come back to school, it's a little bit of a jar, like a jarring reaction to see (laughs) like open nature, I guess. I'm not used to it. Um, But it's always nice to have that kind of juxtaposition of uh, like a more rural suburban area to like the urban area that I grew up in for the majority of my life. So you mentioned that you, they had CS in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Is that when you first started to uh, like learn how to code? So, yeah. So um, I went to a high school in New York called Stuyvesant. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, are, they have an amazing math and science program. And part of that math and science program was CS. So you had to take at least one semester of coding before you graduated. Mm. Um, but that one semester... For me, it, 
at least it wasn't super exciting just because it was coding uh, with NetLogo and Racket, which are two languages that are very self-contained. Like I've never seen them used outside of my classroom. Um, and I kind of just learned like the basics of like loops and conditionals and variables. And I didn't really learn how to apply anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until the summer after I took that coding class. So the summer before my junior year of high school that I really got into CS and that's when I did the girls who code program. Uh, that's when I learned more of like the applied version of CS, like what I could actually use it for. Um, and that's when my kind of interest in the field really got sparked. Hmm. Um, so you say you was learning just like basically loops and conditional. What, mm-hmm. what were one of the things that you may have, uh, may have struggled with when you first started learning? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I honestly, I think the thing that really was hard for me to understand was how all these pieces fit together. Because for me, at least in the first class that I took, it was kind of easier to understand variables, right? Like I've dealt with algebra. uh, So it was easy for me to think about like x equals seven, just kind of have that concept in my head. Um, It was easy to kind of think of conditionals because it's something that I learned um, back in, I think, Euclidean geometry or something, uh, where you have a proof saying, like, if this, then that. So that kind of made sense. It was kind of a cause and effect statement. Loops were a little bit harder to do just because I had to think about um, the initial condition. So, like, where it would start, um, how it would, would progress, and, like, how that initial condition would be updated. And then when the loop would actually end. So if I wanted something to run five times, I had to think about how that loop would be set up. But that was kind of after a little bit of time, like it came a little bit more easily just because I understood variables. I understood conditionals and they kind of fit together when you're doing a loop. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was taking those building blocks and actually figuring out like, okay, I can set a variable equal to something. I can check to see if it's equal to another value and then I can loop through like a list or something but like what am I going to do with that because those are like really abstract concepts and if you don't really understand how they play a role in like a technical product or like a website or an app or something then they're kind of just like concepts that you learn can maybe throw away um but yeah so for me it was just understanding like these are the building blocks like what am I actually building with this? It was kind of like I had, I guess, maybe like a set of Legos without instructions on how to put them together, just the blocks. Right. And I had to figure out what I wanted to make with that. When when was your first like kind of clicking moment where everything kind of started like, you know, come together? Yeah, I'd say it was when I was in Girls Who Code. So I had kind of, I understood the foundations. I understood loops, conditionals. Um, variables. And then I remember us putting together uh, a game. It was a really basic game using Scratch, which is um, something that was developed at MIT that really helps you uh, learn how these building blocks are put together. Because you literally drag and drop uh, for loops, conditionals, while loops, like all those things, and fit them into a puzzle piece that kind of they'll run through every step. And you'll see where you messed up or where your program runs correctly. Scratch Um, Scratch is a great platform. It's so great. And it was very visual. So I got to see, like, okay, my uh, character was supposed to turn left. I made it turn right. Like, I see exactly where I messed up. Um, So our first week at the program, we had to build a game. I believe it was Pong or something like that. And um, I, I actually saw how my loops and conditionals and variables were all working together to make this game work. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I had that vi- visual element of seeing like, okay, this game is functioning. I could play it. I have like some sort of really rough AI to play against me. Um, it was really cool to just see it all come together for myself and see like, okay, I understand these concepts and now I know how to somewhat put them together to make an actual functioning program. So... <laughs> I have a very interesting story about Scratch because you Mm -hmm. just kind of sparked something. When I had a mentor that told me a long time ago, 
I need to start to learn how to code because I, I was working on my mobile app and it was I was just deathly terrified of it. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just seemed so overwhelming and just like ah no I'm good I figure something else out. So Scratch uh, Scratch has been around for a while, but they revamped yeah. it in 2013, mm -hmm. and I remember I think. It was like day two at that revamp, and I got into it, and I was playing around with it, and it 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 I understood it a little bit then, um, but I was still scared, so I ran. <laughs> I, just got, <laughs> I just got away from it. Um, but yeah, scratches, and it's it's funny because I've like I've seen it, you know, in the past couple months, and I was playing around with it, and it's it's really came a long way, and it's it's really it's a really awesome tool to use, especially if you're a day oneer. You know, or yeah. it, it actually, it, no matter what level you're at, because it's so visual and it kind of helps you uh, really see it. Uh, you know, like the uh, the imaginary um, actions behind the code. So transitioning to and girls who code, that was strictly that was a part of your high school. It was, uh, it was like a after school program, or no? Uh, so I did the summer immersion program. Um, so. At that time, Girls Who Code wasn't, like, a huge thing yet. Uh, I think it had only been running for maybe, like, two or three years. So they just had the summer immersion program. Uh, so it was seven weeks spent at, like, a company headquarters. So mine was headquartered at Goldman Sachs, which was a little intimidating. Um, and, yeah, so you just kind of learned in a classroom setting. There was a teacher. There were, We had two TAs. Uh, and then there was about 20 uh, girls in the classroom where we all uh, listened to lectures, um, we would do assignments, we would make projects, and then at the very end of the program, we had about like two weeks to work on our own final project that we brainstormed and prototyped and uh, presented, ultimately, when we graduated uh, from the program. Hmm. And is the program still going on now? What? Is the program still going on now? Girls the girls who code some yeah. yeah oh my god they've uh so i actually had the uh pleasure of interning with them a couple of years ago um and i was talking to like the logistics team and they have not only expanded the summer immersion program so now it's it's in more locations across the country but they've also implemented a clubs program which is kind of like an after-school program um, that's more targeted towards middle schoolers and high schoolers um, who can't necessarily get into the summer immersion program. And then they also are developing uh, something for college students called Campus, uh, where it's a two-week, just very intensive boot camp. Um, so like a very sped-up version of the summer immersion program. Right. Uh, and I feel like the number they told me, because we were talking about like the number of girls who have been affected by the program, was somewhere in like the thousands, like tens of thousands. Wow. Just because, yeah, they have so many programs working simultaneously. And once Girls of Code has reached a certain city, it kind of bubbles out from there. And even we've been able to reach like the more suburban rural areas with like the clubs program. Um, and it's it's kind of been taking over the the country, honestly, which is really amazing to know that I was a part of it at such an early stage, and now I get to see it grow to what it is today. Who knows? You might you might come back and um, be running a thing in a couple of years. Maybe <laughs> I would love to be a teacher for it. Honestly, yeah. it's such a great program because, like, knowing that like it helped me so much and like all my classmates so much, like being able to like intern with them a couple of years ago and make an impact on how they've run since then. And then also, like, I still am in contact with team members. I still do, like, social media, like, posts for them. And uh, it's just really exciting to know that, like, I myself, like, was impacted by this program. And, like, I can still impact this program as I get older. Right. What, um, what, what, what do they teach there in the program? Yeah. So um, I think the curriculum has changed a little bit since uh, I graduated from the program. They've refined it definitely a lot. But um, from what I remember, the first week was kind of just learning the basics. So like, as I said before, variables, conditionals, loops um, with scratch, just because that was the easiest way to visualize everything. Uh, and then you learn how to work those concepts in Python, 
Um, so like I remember working on a project that involved shuffling cards. Uh, so we had to use like classes and that kind of hierarchy. Um, and then we went on to using HTML, CSS, JavaScript to um, develop websites. Uh, so in the beginning, they looked really janky, like those 90s websites that had uh, like little to no actual design inputted into them. But then we got better and started using like Bootstrap and nice templates. So everything looked nicer. Bootstrap was um, awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. No, honestly, like the first time we made our websites, uh, they kind of, they would have us use like the um, just general like text boxes, image boxes, video boxes, like all those things, just like very basic elements of a website. And we got all excited about putting together our own website. And then at the end, when we were looking at our own, like, roughly coded, finished product, we all looked at it and we're just like, these websites are so bad. Like, we know nothing <laughs> about design. We know nothing about, like, how to make fonts or colors work together. These just look like websites from, like, the dawn of the internet age. Like, these are just... <laughs> awful uh, and then we started playing with bootstrap and i was like oh my god this is just so much easier it looks so nice and now i like whip that out whenever i go to a hackathon or something i use bootstrap and i'm like amazing i have a perfect template it looks great everybody thinks it looks nice because it's like minimalist and has the right elements and like works well together and i'm never gonna <laughs> program my own website from scratch like that ever again i'm always gonna rely on <laughs> templates or something right. i cannot do that <laughs> yeah bootstrap i i got my first experience at boot camp i mean boot camp <laughs> i got my first experience <laughs> bootstrap in my uh when i went to my boot camp and um uh, mm -hmm. you know like you said building from scratch and then using like a template format, there's a really big difference, especially when you can oh, yeah. rely on people that, you know, are good with design and, you know, really understand how things and stuff should flow. And, you know, you're mm -hmm. kind of this, you know, me just kind of throwing paint against the wall. Like, oh, that looks pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll um, have a scrolling banner there, I guess. Like, yeah, they, they know what they're doing. I'm going to let them give me all those resources and then I'll utilize them. I right. won't interfere with that space yeah i won't disrespect the internet with my awful design <laughs> <laughs> um no for sure so um so you say you're in your junior year uh now um so transition to your junior year into going into the senior year well what, what what are some of the goals you have for yourself that's lined up yeah so for me so now first year being an upperclassman it's really exciting um, so I feel like I kind of now understand what it means to be a college student, you know, I'm like a little over halfway through my college career. So like, I kind of understand like deadlines and stuff like that, like the logistics of living by myself. Right. I think for me, I'm kind of, now I'm focusing a little bit more on my extracurriculars. Um, so I have a couple of leadership positions on campus. Like I'm the president of our engineering sorority. I, and one of the vice presidents of our Women in Computing Club. Um, and so even though I've had these leadership positions for a little bit and have had similar positions in the past, um, one of my goals is just to make sure that I kind of grow as a leader. Like, I don't want to be a micromanaging uh, leader. I want to listen to people and have them come up with their own ideas. And, like, obviously I give feedback and input, but uh, kind of have them be relatively autonomous and I'm just kind of like the overarching manager to make sure everything gets done. Um, so I'm trying to work on making sure that I give everybody a voice. I give everybody some guidance, but that they learn how to make decisions by themselves and um, kind of feel like they can rely on themselves and then come to me as a resource. Like I'm not the, um, the like the end all kind of decision maker right. that they have some say in what happens um so that's definitely one of my goals and then another one of my goals just because I think every college student kind of experiences this like it's stressful to like live by yourself have to do homework have to do all these extracurricular activities and also have some sort of like a social life and eat and sleep and everything like that. Uh, <laughs> That's over, <laughs> just overrated. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously eating and sleeping is at the bottom of my priority list. Um, but just like learning to keep myself healthy. Like it's like last year as a sophomore, like, oh my God, I did not sleep well. I 
sometimes ate cereal. I like I would bring cereal with me and like a little bottle of milk to eat for lunch because I was just so stressed and could not like take the time to sit down and eat like a full meal. Um, so now that I'm a little bit older, like trying to make sure that I have time to sleep and to like prepare like good meals for myself and like meal prep and, uh, make sure I get some sort of exercise in because, uh, obviously I'm going to be sitting all day studying. So might as well like try to get like 15 minutes of exercise in. Uh, so like little things like that to make sure that like, not only am I like fulfilling all of my obligations, but that I'm staying healthy myself so that I can wake up the next day and still be like running at my peak performance. So it's funny. I just did a podcast on uh, why, because I, so I do, um, I do, um, I do cycling. And so I run my bike every mm-hmm. day. I do about 10 miles a day. Um, oh, wow. And so the journey of cycling, I'm, the podcast is basically why it made me a better developer. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and it's the the last part of it actually is the exercise yeah, part <laughs> because it's when you're cycling you're you're you have to consistently adjust you know mm-hmm. so yeah if you're going up a hill then you might want to lower the gears if you're going down a hill you might relax a little bit you know oh yeah here 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 comes somebody's dog you know <laughs> there's a tree branch in the middle of the road. So you just have to consistently, you know, adjust. And I just kind of thought it was just like an awesome, um, uh, you know, parallel formula, you know, to see mm-hmm. like in the, in the coding journey, you know, and then going along with the, you know, exercise and kind of, you know, making your, make sure your body and stuff feel right. And yeah, it, it definitely helps. And then some, um, I had, so I was doing 10 miles a day. And the 10 miles was starting to get a little bit easy. Mm-hmm. So some psychotic thought within myself said, <laughs> hey, let's add 10 burpees per mile. Oh, my God. I mean, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> when I got to, like, mile four, I was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> so, yeah, I went with through it. Like, I had to take a break, I think, like, at mile eight. Because I was like, I think that's valid. I think it's good that you took a break. Right. I think you definitely deserved it. <laughs> well, yeah, I did, did I, then I did it again the next day. The next day was a little bit easier. And then the next day, I think, I think it, it was raining. So I did like five miles. And um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I don't know what. Um, I don't know. I, 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 probably, I probably need to go to jo- the doctor to get it checked out where did that thought come from. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, like, uh, I, I think, uh, as developers, so we don't talk about that enough, um, yeah. you know, as far as like exercise and, um, you know, making sure you eat proper things and, you know, even sleep and stuff, because it's like, I've had those times and I'm pretty sure you have too, is where like you really get deep inside the code and you look up mm-hmm. and like three, four hours has passed by. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you're like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, and it, I think that's a definitely, definitely a big piece of it that, uh, that should be talked about more. I think I'll, I'll probably do another episode on it. All right. You just finished up a internship, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I just ended last week. All right. Uh, who was that with? And talk about your experience with that. Yeah, so I interned uh, for Qualcomm, which is uh, a nationally known and internationally known uh, semiconductor company, uh, which it's kind of hard to explain everything that they do because they kind of have their hands in almost everything. But they're most known for their influence on phone technology. Um, So they have helped to develop like 1G, 2G, 3G, all of that kind of cellular data. Um, and right now they're working on 5G, which is really exciting. So you get faster data, more data. Um, and then they've also worked with AI, uh, like charging cars, self-driving vehicles, um, like home appliances that are internet connected. They're kind of all over the place, which is really insane. Um, so yeah, I had the 
awesome opportunity to intern with them this summer. Uh, so I was all the way in San Diego, uh, which is new for me. First time on the West Coast for more than like four days. Um, and I interned with the 4G LTE software integration team, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. But basically what they do is they take uh, the phone software that was written by other teams uh, and they test it and they try to integrate it into phone builds just to make sure that uh, everything's working properly, that like the the software that we write for whatever client is up to their standards, like encompasses all of their needs and wants. Um, and so they kind of do a lot of automation for their testing. They do a lot of error logging and uh, try to patch up all of the f- bugs that pop up because uh, ultimately there's going to be issues with the code. Right. Um, so my part of the team was working on a tool, actually a couple tools um, to help kind of streamline that process. So helping them log their errors and keep track of them and uh, help them look at all the metrics that they need to visualize when it comes to like checking what's wrong with like the test Uh, So, like, if they make a cell phone call, like, checking, like, certain um, values throughout the call uh, to make sure that, like, okay, at this point in time, this is what went wrong, and this is the value that was wrong, and so this is what we kind of need to fix about it. Um, I can't go super into specifics because uh, they're a very big company and they're very proprietary, but uh, it was just basically, yeah, I know, I know. My, I was like telling my parents, I was like, yeah, I can't really tell you that much. And they were like, we wouldn't even understand what you're talking about anyway. And I was like, I know, but it's the whole point of like proprietary information. But, um, but yeah, so I got to kind of work with the team and help streamline their process, which is really cool because um, obviously they've been chugging long. They work a lot. They work very hard. Uh, they have multiple products coming out at the same time, but um, if there's any way that I could have, um, like influenced their workflow in a positive way, uh, to make that product a little bit come out faster, come out at a higher quality. Um, it's just awesome to note that I had a little role in that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my summer at Qualcomm. Uh, and it, it was really, it was a really great, uh, 12 weeks to be sure. So question, what was, um, what was the biggest hurdle you experienced there? Yeah, so Qualcomm is a huge company. Oh wow, they had—I uh, think they have like twenty to thirty thousand employees. Uh, the interns alone uh, at San Diego, at their headquarters, um, were about like three hundred interns. So there's a lot of people. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people working on same projects, different projects. Everything's working simultaneously. Um, so for me, it was kind of just cause like, I'm used to coding by myself, you know, like I'm used to coding maybe like, uh, with another partner or something, uh, but like smaller tasks, like a school project or a hackathon idea or something like that. Like something that doesn't really have a lot of, uh, I guess like impact, um, outside of like my sphere. But for this internship, I obviously had to, uh, interact with other people on my team. I had to turn to them for advice, for opinions. I had to make my own decisions with regards to like how my programs would run. Um, And I had to conduct my own research, figure out how like Qualcomm code is supposed to work and how their products are supposed to work and how to integrate my code into their products. And uh, for me, it was kind of just adjusting to the size of the company and kind of understanding that like the programs that I write are going to have some impact. So I need to make sure that I have as much information and reach out to as many people as possible to make sure that like my product is as fine tuned as possible. Um, And that when I leave at the end of the summer, that people will be able to use it. And if they want to like further develop it, they can, and they kind of understand what I've been working on. Cause otherwise what was my entire summer for if they can't understand what I made during those 12 weeks. AKA commenting code. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. The last like week of my internship was just commenting and like understanding like, Oh, I know what that function does, but like, will they understand why it's supposed to reverse that list? Like I have no idea. So I, I tried to write it as if my parents were reading it, like, cause no offense to them, but they're not very technical. Right. Um, so I was just trying to make sure like 
someone who has has never touched a single line of code can read this and understand like okay that's what that function does okay cool that makes sense to me um so that took a long time because you just have that kind of understanding of your own code and you know why you did that or you wrote that certain part but trying to explain to someone who has no idea what your project even means uh takes a lot of time to kind of get in that headspace to um be able to get on that level and explain it as thoroughly as possible so it's funny you say that um you know trying to comment as if your pants were reading i did a similar <laughs> thing when i was uh building uh my app recure is mm-hmm. when i when i finally kind of understood what i was doing i would go talk to you know like elderly people about that <laughs> you know and now i'm i'm this is an app about sneakers so you know of course they, they're not going to you know like being too bad i want i was explaining to see if they understood it um yeah you know and you know when i started to explain they did and so i knew and it's in this like again it's no you know, disrespect but i knew if they understood it then i knew i was kind of going in the right direction you know because right especially when you're looking at something all day like yeah, you you just start to get it and just you know it becomes second nature to you you know so when you try to you know you're looking at somebody else like, i don't know i don't understand why you don't get it like it's dude because you've been looking at it for 36 hours like (laughs) yeah you're too fully into it to actually like that's kind of like how i debug right i feel like a lot of people do this where they'll tell someone else or like they'll talk to like a rubber duck is like the typical object and they'll just walk through their code just because you've been staring at it for so long that reading it out to someone else or something else will like spark that thought that oh that's the line that's messing up or oh that's the like break point I have to focus on or something like that because like once you've been looking like you know what's happening and you're all in up in your head and you've been there for hours just like focusing on a certain line of code or something like that but once you bring someone else into the picture then you have to break it down and explain it to them and like that's when everything starts to click because you get another perspective or you get like a sounding board that you can work with so the rubber duck method is definitely mm. a real thing. And yes. the first time the first time somebody told me about it, I thought they was trolling me. Like Yeah. I I was I was so I'm in I'm in still I'm in C S fifty, Harvard C S fifty. and so we they have a um uh like group chat. And so mm-hmm. I, I asked like a general question. I think I asked like, you know, how do you guys deal with problem stuff when you kinda like hit a brick wall? And so this guy coming back, he was like, rubber duck method. And, just, and you're like, what? <laughs> and, right, and just didn't respond after that. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm like, look, I'm already annoyed. I can't figure this out. <laughs> like, don't play with me. <laughs> yeah, give me a straight answer. Right. And so I was like, sometimes I said, let me just go Google it. And voila, there's a whole philosophy on the rubber duck method. If you guys don't yeah. know what the rubber duck method is, it's... um. It forces you to speak out loud, talk out loud to your problems. Something inside the mind starts to start, inside your brain starts to click when it hear when you hear it, um, when you talk it out loud. And so, they tell you to tell your problems to a rubber duck, um, <laughs> and you know you start to start to click. So I don't have rubber duck. I do have a little stick on a wall. Don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> that I talk to and. Um, yeah, it it, uh, it definitely does help. Yeah, I brought a real rubber duck with me to work, to talk to. So I just had, like, this little rubber duck, like a bath rubber duck, like, on my desk. And I would just talk to it in my cubicle, which was weird because other people could hear me. But I was like, I don't care. I'm debugging this. and I've been debugging this for, like, two hours now. Mm-hmm. It needs to get done. I need to talk to this inanimate object mm-hmm. to figure it myself out. I wonder why the rubber duck. Like, wasn't why, like it wasn't like a stuffed monkey. Or yeah, something, like yeah. Why randomly that? I don't know. Maybe it's like readily available. I, actually, I don't know why it would be readily available unless you're like <laughs> six. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So I'll give you a duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, try to figure that out. See what yeah. the mindset of the person who determine the history right. of that debugging method. Right, and it actually probably helped you better. You know, to figure out uh, yeah. 
why the duck? <laughs> it should be some 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 crazy definition. Well, yellow makes you think better. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like the psychology of speaking to a duck. Right. I don't know. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, so, what was um, in your internship? Um, well, actually, can you, I'm not sure if you can you talk about this. If you can, it's fine. Um, is uh, how talk? Can you talk about a little bit as far as like you said when you're programming, but it's not just when you're programming. I said programming. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you're programming, um, and it's not just you. You you know have hundreds and thousands of people that's working on the code too. Now, yeah. are you just kind of uh, designated like a particular uh, function? Are you working on your own code snippets? Like, you know, what are you doing particularly when you're, you know, one of many? Yeah. So for us, at least in our internship, uh, it kind of depended on the project you're working on. So I, for me personally, I was given some like scripts to reference. Um, It was kind of doing things that I needed to use in my program, very similar um, and so I just had to understand those and then write my own script based off of those already existing scripts. Um, and then there were people on the team who had worked with like the technologies that I was using. And so I would ask them like, Oh, like, what did you think of this API function? Or like, is this the right order that I should be calling them in or, uh, things like that. So it was kind of a combination of looking at existing code and relying on people who had used the technology separately. Um, kind of understanding like their point of view on how to use it. Um, but I had a lot of friends who uh, would be given an existing code base and be told to like debug it or um, test it or were told like this was something that was written years ago or months ago. Uh, and we kind of don't remember like how it worked or we don't even, we didn't even really fully test it. Like it's your job to make sure that it's patched up and ready to be used um so those people had to deal with like turning to the person who had written that code before uh and asking them like why did you do this like what exactly was this supposed to do um why did you uh have this bug and not really address it um and so they had to work more with the person who had written the code um but i was lucky enough to just have to be kind of pointed in a certain direction like have resources at hand have people that I could reach out to, um, to kind of work on my own script. Uh, so at the end of the day, like I did have to look at existing code. I did have to like reach out to people and kind of ask their opinion, but, uh, I was able to kind of work on my own individual script, which meant that I didn't have to, when I was like pushing code, that it wasn't going to affect all of the hundreds of other files also in that repository. It was just my own thing, which I was very happy about. I was like, I do not want to be messing with something that works right now. I'm just going to push it into a separate repository. And then after my internship, you guys can figure out where to put it. So I don't mess anything up. Remove semicolon. I want to work this does. <laughs> and everything just like blows up in your face. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I didn't know this, but when you're testing on, so we test on like phone, like basically phones. Uh, so they make a test module for the phone. So it's not like you're running something on like your traditional, like pixel or something like that. Like it's built out. But if there's something like really wrong with the software, it could actually degrade the phone, which I did not realize. I didn't realize that the hardware could be so affected by like, yeah, like a missing semicolon. But if it's in the wrong place and it's run at the wrong time, like it could really turn everything could turn out really bad. So they gave me one of these like debug boards in the beginning of the summer to like just mess around with. And they were telling me how much it was worth. And I was like, oh, my God, why did you get I and how easily it could be like messed with and I was like Jesus why are you giving this to me I don't know anything I don't feel like I'm trustworthy enough to take this piece of technology and not break it uh which was really also very jarring because I was like oh my god like why are they giving me an intern who's been here for maybe like a week and a half like this really expensive thing that could very easily break if I do the wrong thing, which will probably happen because I have no idea what I'm doing at this point. It was very stressful. So 
what was um <laughs> what was um what was your most memorable part of the uh internship yeah so i mean for me i'd say that there was two parts uh, i'm going to kind of cheat on this question uh but my first part was just because qualcomm is so immense uh there's so many different departments and projects and uh people that you could talk to um, so they have this mentor program mainly geared towards interns and like newly full-time employees, um, where you can meet up with people, full, other full-time employees and ask them about their journey, have them give you advice. And so I was lucky enough to meet a mentor who was not necessarily like a very technical person, um, but she was a product manager and I got to learn more about her role and her part in Qualcomm and and also, like, get advice um, on, like, some of the goals that I mentioned earlier, like being a better leader and making sure I uh, maintain a healthy lifestyle, which is great because you get to hear from, like, an uh, actual adult who isn't related to you uh, and get, have them give you advice and tell them about themselves, uh, which is really great. Uh, and then the second, my other favorite part of my internship were just the uh, fellow interns, I think, that something that's great about being a part of an intern program is that at least in my case, there was hundreds of other interns to hang out with at work, uh, grab lunch with, hang out after work with, um, go hiking, go camping, uh, go surfing, uh, go to like the intern events that they had planned for us. Uh, and really having that kind of group of people who were around my age, who had, just the same experiences as I did in terms of being excited to be in San Diego and being terrified about breaking someone else's code and uh, kind of having that similar experience. It was really nice because then I could turn to them and be like, oh my God, did you see that? And they'd be like, yeah, I have no idea what's happening either. And I was like, cool. I'm not the only person who's very confused right now. Uh, so like, for example, one of, there were other, two other interns on my team and we went to an all hands meeting for our team specifically and obviously, companies have a lot of acronyms. Um, so our manager was just, like, rattling off these acronyms. Uh, and everybody else on the team was like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, okay, cool. That, like, that time frame makes sense for that product or whatever. And me and the other interns are just all sitting together, like, looking at each other, like, what are they, what are they talking about? Why are there so many letters just in the air right now? Like, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, and it's good to kind of have that camaraderie of, not only like being very confused together and being able to like use each other as a resource, but also like having like a friend. So like if I needed someone to help me debug my code, I would ping one of my friends on my floor and just be like, can you come to my cubicle right now? I have the worst problem and I need someone to talk to about it. And they'd be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like I'll definitely come over. Um, so it's really nice to have like a group of people that you can kind of rely on um, who are your age and you can, kind of relate to a bit more than just the people on your team who are always a little bit more older and more experienced and uh, they kind of have more of a handle on things uh, than the rest of the interns did. So that's, that's funny you say well, like with the acronyms. Uh, mm -hmm. I experienced that when I was working at, uh, at Uber in Atlanta and um, the city team, uh, they would have all these acronyms for everything that's going on within the city and without and sit in and like you're literally just looking at it like okay yeah what does that mean what does that mean yeah what does that mean like, I was I would like take notes just to be like is this like the definition like I like I hear like also because Qualcomm's so huge I don't know if this happened to you but sometimes teams have the same like acronym but it means different things and so mm. I talked to one team and they would be like oh yeah this means this and I would talk to my team and they'd be like no this means this and I was like oh my god like can someone just <laughs> consolidate and like like we had an acronym database like right. we had an entire like internal acronym database that i would just like yeah i would just write down all the things i didn't know go back to my desk and figure out what they were talking about like 10 minutes after the fact uh it was it's a lot yeah you it takes a long time for you to understand exactly what all of the words they're saying are what they mean What would you say surprised you the most at the internship? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say it was just the the overall quality of the internship program. Uh, just because 
I had never worked in a company this big. Um, I'd always worked at companies that were maybe like a people or like several thousand people. Um, and I would be one of maybe like a dozen interns or something, but, uh, I wasn't ever one of hundreds. Um, so something that I was kind of afraid of going into it was, uh, I'm from New York city. I'm not used to San Diego, so I don't know what to do in San Diego. And am I going to be friends with the other interns? Like, I have no idea. I don't know the majority of them. Uh, I didn't want to be the person who just hung out with their roommate or, just went home after work and kind of like watched Netflix and FaceTimed with friends back home and did nothing outside. Um, <laughs> and I like, I, I mean, this is something I was afraid about in college too, is just like whenever you're putting in put into a new environment uh, with new people, you're there's kind of like the trepidation about like, am I going to meet people who I can consider friends? Like, am I going to find hobbies and activities to do? Um, and so the, the intern program was really great in that they planned events, they planned like smaller group meetings, they, um, they really got everybody to interact with each other. So even if I wasn't working in like the same building as them, or wasn't on the same team, or didn't even, um, in some cases, didn't even work in the same like city as them, just because there were other regional offices, um, there was a way for me to interact with those other interns. Uh, and then ultimately get to know them more and kind of be pushed to kind of hang out with them more, um, which really helped because then I had friends outside of my roommate. Uh, I had friends that like, if one of my like closer friends from the beginning of the internship wasn't there, I could obviously hang out with other people. And like that made me feel more comfortable at the company because I knew that I had people to turn to if I wanted to grab lunch or if I needed someone to help me debug or if I wanted to watch a movie after work or something. Um, and that was really, that was really great. Cause I was surprised that a company that big could manage all of these interns so well and make everybody feel like happy and in an encouraging and like supportive environment. So how many, um, if it, that's like a wild guess, um, of 300 developers, I mean, sorry, interns, how many of them was women? Uh, I'd feel like less than, I think around half, actually. Really? Um, yeah, so I think this was something they, they presented at the beginning of our internship with, like, the demographics, um, but there were a lot of... Um, female interns, which is really surprising. The majority of them that I, that I met uh, and that I knew uh, were undergrads. Um, we did have a large graduate population of interns. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really surprising to know that um, such a, like a large company could in, like have such a diverse group of interns because it wasn't even like just gender diversity. There was also, also like ethnic diversity and um, diversity of like um, levels of experience and interests and that was really great just because I've always had internships before then that were just meant for like girls who code alumni or uh, just like girls in general and this right. was my first internship that was not through girls who code it was more of just me getting it um, so it was really nice to know that the campus recruiting team was just as focused on that um, as they were like the quality and level of intern that they were looking for. Nice. Yeah, that is nice. Um, yeah. So kind of transitioning a little bit. Uh, so the coding space is a, it's, you know, a male dominant uh, space. Yeah. Um, what, what type of um, advice would you try to give? a woman developer that may be just looking to start trying to figure out where to go and also kind of you know scared because it is such a heavy male dominant uh, area yeah um so well everybody has their own levels of confidence uh, i feel like and also their support system so like i feel particularly in my experiences that i've been very lucky to be someone who has like a relatively high amount of confidence uh, and is kind of able to bounce back from obstacles and then also has like a really great support system of family and friends who have always been 
very encouraging of me pursuing CS. Um, but for girls who don't necessarily have those behind them, what I would suggest is trying to, first of all, find that support system. Um, so I'm a part of Girls Code Alumna Network. Not everybody can get into the program, but trying to go to a, the Girls Code Clubs program or campus program or even applying for the summer immersion program, you get to form your own kind of group of fellow female developers. And that's always great because you have similar struggles, you have similar like um, interests and trepidations and you kind of feel the same emotional roller coaster as you're developing. Um, Built by Girls is another great resource uh, just because there isn't as much of like an application um, process, but you can get involved in like their Slack group or um, get involved in like their mentorship program and kind of hear from not only female developers your age, but also female developers who are like full-time employees, which is really cool. Um, so like reaching out to programs like that to find your support system, reaching out to other girls in your area who might be interested in CS, uh, just so you can kind of have like a group of people you can rely on and turn to if you're frustrated or if you want to like feel excited and want to give someone a shout out, like something like that. Because um, having that's always helpful, especially if you don't necessarily have that from your family or friends. Like building that support system is always great. Um, and then in terms of like, I, I would really just also encourage female developers or like people who want to be female developers uh, is to really push yourself. Uh, and that's not something that's really easy, uh, definitely. And it takes practice, but you're never going to learn something if you only put yourself in, in situations where you feel comfortable, um, just because then you're never going to learn something new. Um, so like what I try to do is put myself in rooms where I'm definitely not the smartest person in like a certain field or aspect of tech or something like that, just so I can turn to that person who is the expert in the room and get their contact information, like sync up with them over LinkedIn or coffee or something like that and kind of pick their brain for maybe their journey or like their information on that one topic that I don't understand or something like that, because then you can use them as a resource to learn more, especially if you don't have like CS in your own school or uh, you don't have the opportunity to go to a CS club or something like that. Um, relying on people at companies or tech events or something like that um, can really help you build your own knowledge base outside of what you previously could have like had access to. Um, and once you start putting yourself in those situations uh, more and more, and especially when you have that support network of people to actually go through that situation with you, like I would take my friends to hackathons or tech mm -hmm. meetups or something like that, then you kind of have that perfect combination of support and like being outside of your comfort zone that will help build you like a more stable foundation to learn more and grow and get involved in opportunities that you might not have had the chance to be involved in previously. Um, I guess maybe just like to add on to the advice if you're like a female developer, just like uh, something that tends to happen in, especially in tech spaces, but I think this just generally happens in a, uh, when you're a female pursuing a certain career or interest is that people and not only just men, like people in general, tend to have like these own unconscious biases towards you. Um, and so that's something that we talk about at college called microaggressions, where like someone won't like say in your face, like, oh, you're the worst. You don't deserve to be in tech or something like that. But it's the little actions and maybe like little things that they say that will kind of wear down at your confidence. Um, and for me, like, that's always the worst part is just dealing with people who not don't like say like, oh, you're stupid. Like, I'm not going to turn to you for help, but will more readily turn to like their guy friend for help in a class or something like that. Um, so I think just understanding that sometimes you'll face people that won't outright say you don't deserve to be in tech or you're not smart enough or things like that, but will do small little actions. Um, sometimes unconsciously, like they don't even notice that they're doing them. I think realizing that that's a thing that happens, that that's like a societal thing and that's like a uh, their upbringing or their environmental influences or whatever reason, um, and kind of making sure that that doesn't get to you 
that um, you confront them about that or you take the time to think about that little microaggression and maybe think about where they came from and why they have that like subconscious thought um, and why it doesn't apply to you. Like you, um, for example, if your friend turns to your guy friend for help on physics, realizing that he was dumb to turn to your guy friend for physics help because you're getting a better grade in the class or something like that. Um, So just making sure that like those little things, because they can add up after time, um, don't get to you and that you understand that they don't apply to you and that you're very capable of setting your mind to something and pushing through. And that if someone doesn't believe in you for whatever reason, um, whether innate or learned, uh, that that's their own problem and that you can prove them wrong by getting involved in opportunities, by building a support network, by doing all these things. Uh, I think that's like another piece of advice that I'd have just because it's something that happens more frequently than like outright discrimination uh, and saying like, as far in my experience at least where it's people are more likely to just be like slightly biased towards you versus like just slamming the door in your face uh, outright. Yeah. And definitely seek out people like myself because Mm -hmm. when I see a woman who codes, she's like, borderline x-man <laughs> just because of like the natural way women think you know and like the levels and stuff like how their mind works and then when you combine that with a skill like coding yeah she's two steps away from being professor x. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how and i i don't, I don't get it like I, I don't get it because this is this is not a field where you know where it takes this is not a field where it has to be male dominant, you know. So it's not right. like we're trying to build a construction company, you know. And you have to do a lot of heavy lifting, and you know, the strength of men and stuff is definitely the advantage, you know. It's nothing like that, you know. This is just simple. I'm not gonna say simple, but this is just problem solving, um, you know, problem solving mm-hmm. and staying consistent, you know, to what you can do, and that doesn't have any type of, uh, you know, gender specific role to it. Um, yeah, like well, there three developer mentors. One, one of them, one of them's a female. She's phenomenal. She's just, I mean, I can I, when I call her and talk to her, I'm get a pen out because uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's about to give you some stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely, and I, I, I do think it is, it's, it's companies out there too that have that mindset too, and I think they're heavily losing, losing out on. You know, when you do that, have that type of mindset, um, yeah, which is, is, which is crazy. Yeah. Cause I mean, like once you have a more diverse, like not even in terms of gender solely, but like more diverse group of people working on any project, like not even just tech, like you get all of those opinions and all of those backgrounds and experiences at the table. And it really helps you get a more well-rounded product. Like I remember hearing about, um, this woman who wanted a like a smart mirror to be used in her fitting rooms for her company, like for her clothing company. And when she looked at the mirror, the final product, it made her like as a woman, like look worse in the clothes than what she actually looked like. Mm-hmm. And even though it was a smart mirror, like it had all of the technical capabilities, the mirror itself was just awful. And it was just because all of the people working on that team were men and were not, yeah, they weren't (laughs) used to looking at a mirror in a certain way. Like they didn't, they weren't used to, I I guess, like seeing, like, I don't know how mirrors work when you're making them look better, but like they weren't used to having to see themselves in a certain way in a mirror and did not realize that like it made them look worse because that just wasn't something that crossed their mind. But if there was a female developer on the team, then she would look at the mirror and be like, no, this looks like this makes me look like crap. And I obviously don't look like this. Mm-hmm. Like we need to fix the mirror. Like it technically works, but it's not something that's great for the, the actual user. Um, because like you're not the people using it. A female's going to be using it. Like we need to make sure that there's someone on the team who can give that kind of input. And I think that like, yeah, like companies are really, if you're not getting a diverse group of employees, you're not, you're missing out on that kind of sect of the audience that you could be reaching out to because you don't get to hear their opinions when you're actually developing the product that they might use in the future, which is just really dumb to me. But I think companies are kind of catching on to that and 
are slowly but surely taking steps to make their teams more diverse and have that range of opinions so that the products that they can make are even better um, and more tailor-made to the people who are actually using them. Which is also funny because, you know, there's still a shortage of developers. And Mm -hmm. so... Yeah. You can't necessarily afford to have those. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's like millions of jobs that won't be filled by like 2020. There's like some statistic that's like ridiculous. And the fact that there's a ridiculously high amount of jobs that won't be filled, but companies are still turning away are still holding prejudices against certain groups of people is ridiculous. And honestly, it's going to just be their downfall because then they're not going to have talented people with diverse mindsets to actually work on their product. Instead, they're just going to be stuck in their old ways and they're eventually going to die out, which I think like it's probably like the natural selection of capitalism or whatever. The fact that they're not taking advantage of the people around them to make themselves a better company. Um, which I mean, I guess they'll learn soon, hopefully. Yeah, and it's like, and if you're like I said, if you're a company, you can't afford to do so because you know these other companies that's doing the right or like literally gobbling up like talent. Yeah, and then a lot of these developers too are deciding to do their own thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, working their own thing, and so I I seen a uh, article. I'm interested in an Oregon uh, article. The CEO of Blavity. Um, Morgan mm-hmm. Debon, she just raised I think like six point five million, and she says she's struggling to find developers. Really? Yeah, oh my god! She says she's struggling. I know another girl. Uh, she just closed her series or C round. The other C round, like one point six million. Same thing. She's struggling to find developers. That's so, insane. So it's like you know, you know, the hype is real. You know? Yes. And definitely. So yeah, you cannot. <laughs> afford to have such narrow mindedness. Yes, in, in this definitely. industry, it'll be a catapult of failure. Yes, Caitlin, this <laughs> was awesome. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Honestly, this has been great. Yeah, I'm um, super super excited for you know. For everybody that's going to listen to this episode, also excited for what you have in the upcoming future with going into your junior year. Um, yeah, you know, the senior year and seeing what you're building and everything. And so, I think a lot of people would be excited to, uh, you know, consistently know what's going on with Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, where can the people find you? How can they reach out to you? Uh, oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm all over social media, as any good millennial is. Uh, <laughs> so you can find me at Coder Caitlin um, on all platforms. Uh, and then I also have my own blog where I write about my tech experiences and my experiences as a college student and just like life in general. Uh, and that could be found at caitlin.site. Uh, so that's, you can keep, and trust me, if you keep up with those platforms, you'll know exactly what I'm doing constantly because I love posting on social media it's kind of a problem but yeah are that's you, where you can find uh, me are you open to questions can people reach out to you DM oh you? yes a hundred percent i love interacting with people uh kind of giving advice hearing stories and uh just generally making friends on the internet i feel like the tech community on the internet is great uh just because uh they're so varied and where they come from and what they've learned and i love talking to people uh so if you have any questions want advice or just want like a new friend on instagram like definitely reach out uh on on any of my social media platforms uh and my email is also on my website so if you want to officially email me or something like that you'll definitely feel free to so quick question uh Mm -hmm. this may be the most controversial question of all Mm. do you prefer the the Instagram, do you prefer the community, the uh, Coder community on Instagram or Twitter? Oh, wow. Uh, I'd have to say Instagram. I think Ooh. just because I know, I know. <laughs> I'm not a huge, I used to be a huge Twitter user. I thought, well, I know I'm very funny. Um, but I used to think I was very funny and I would tweet, like, you know, shower thoughts or mm-hmm. like weird, like jokes that would come into your head. Right. I would tweet those constantly. 
Um, but now I only just use Twitter to like share my Instagram photos or like features that I'm in or anything like that. So I don't even, I don't really interact with Twitter as much. I'm pretty sure it has a wider reach, uh, but I haven't gotten into that as much recently. Uh, but Instagram, all, like all my friends are on it. All of like the fellow developers that I know are on it. Um, and you also get to see more of a visual uh, like representation of what they're doing or what they're working on. Uh, and I always think that's more fun uh, just because I, I do love reading. I love reading tweets. They're always really funny and dumb uh, and interesting and informative. But I love looking at pictures. I'm a very visual person. Uh, so I like sticking to Instagram. But maybe I'll start getting into Twitter, too, more often. I think that's a good idea. I should do that. I told myself that six months ago. <laughs> 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 no, the uh, the uh, yeah the Instagram uh, developer community is vibrant, like you said. Yes. It's, um, you know, seeing visuals. Uh, you know, so people people literally can be posting. You know, from animations, uh, you know, to live coding and yeah, and everything. And so I've seen one guy posted. Uh, did 10 videos and 10, 10, 10 one minute videos on tutorial or some stuff he was working oh. on, on Instagram. Interesting. So, that's pretty awesome. So yeah. Yeah. I've been telling myself that too. That I need to get <laughs> better at Twitter and I've been saying that for the past five episodes probably now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, not, I do prefer the Instagram. Yeah. But there's de- there's definitely a, a uh, nice community on Twitter too as well. Oh, 100 percent. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I just need to work a little bit harder, get into that platform, and maybe I'll be able to reach out to them as well. And force people to see my shower jokes. They are funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. I don't know why no one has favorited them yet. They're hilarious. <laughs> I think they're hilarious. But. You know, I guess I'm just underappreciated on Twitter. So I got to work on that. (laughs) All right. Awesome. 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 So, guys, if you don't follow me on Instagram, my name is Marlon.Avery. That's M-A-R-L-O-N. Avery, A-V-E-R-Y. Code podcast. Code podcast on Instagram. Code underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, so, guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned a lot. I did reach out to Caitlin. Questions, high five. <laughs> Send her a uh, $5 gift card for Starbucks. There you go. Yeah, I would love some hot chocolate, honestly. <laughs> I would need it. I'm going to need it in the winter. Trust me. It's going to get cold. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, until next time, I'm out.